0: Hello, and welcome to the Dad and Sons Podcast, where the only thing crazier than American electoral politics is the price we can get you for a t-shirt. I'm George Weedman, and I'm with Liam Edwards and Matt Visual. Hello there. Uh, Hello. Hi. (laughs) And we're here to offer up one of our stylish new long sleeve t-shirts for free.
1: That's right. We're doing a Dad and Sons competition. Probably the first and last ever. If you would like to potentially win one of the stylish brand new Dad and son, dad and son shits.
2: Oh,
3: man. <laughs> <laughs> where's the script at? I, I don't see the script. Where, it's on what, the
1: outline. It's in, it's <laughs> in the... That's right. We're doing the Dad and Sons Long Sleeve T-Shirt Contest. Probably the first and last ever Dad and Sons Contest. All you have to do to enter to win one of our brand new stylish Dad and Sons Dad Select Long Sleeve Shirts from our friends T-Republic is, first of all, follow Dad and Sons Pod at Twitter. We will be checking. Secondly, and most importantly, is we want you to tweet a photo of yourself listening to the Dad and Sons Podcast on your audio listening devices from anywhere anywhere any place in the world could be the most interesting or most boring photo possible. Just send How just about send you us s- give us some exam- Oh, no, George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is
3: that what I'm supposed to do?
0: Just send us a pic of your mobile device, your iPod Shuffle, or your Microsoft Zune, whatever it is you use, tuned in to Dad and Sons with something interesting going on in the background.
3: Yeah, take one in, in the desert at a funeral. We would love to see everything. And then George says, but wait, there's more.
1: But wait. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Oh, my
0: God. We'll also be throwing in a free code for your choice of one of our choices of some very choice indie games from this. Choice year. We're giving away codes for either Hades, Noida, or Ikenfell to the best, the funniest, the sexiest picture we get. And we will be debating live on Twitch over which one will be the winner of this t shirt and this game code. We don't want
3: to give codes that you already have. So, like, let us know what you have, I guess. Pick the other two.
0: Where will the other two be given away? We have two other codes. What, what are we going to do with them? we're gonna give them out in the cluster cast 2021. That's right, Pat. We're celebrating the end of 2020 because there's absolutely nothing more worthy of celebration coming up. In a couple weeks in early January, we're gonna be, ho- for fuck's sake, I'm actually totally serious when I say that in a couple weeks in early January, we are gonna be hosting our second ever live stream episode on twitch.tv slash super bunny hop. And that's how we're gonna be doing the Dad the, awards this year. It's gonna be live, during that stream, during this giveaway.
1: That's right, celebrating our 150th time together, we will have audience interaction, face cams of the three dads, a temporary phone number for Colin's, which is no doubt going to be a disaster, and of course, giveaways. It'll be fun. I'm going to try
0: to get my green screen set up in the background and and, and wear, you know, a nice fancy tux for the awards ceremony. Well, I, I said green screen, but really we're actually going to rent out a convention center to host the ceremony. It's a very illustrious, prestigious program. The, the Dad
1: Awards, the third ever. We will be the first ever video game convention back after Corona. Wow.
0: I'm dying, guys. And not of, <laughs> and not of bad reasons. Jesus Christ, okay, so we made it through that. How, how, how are you guys feeling now? Are we
1: are we able to keep a straight face? <laughs> we
3: gotta get Rad Dad back in here to cringe on, you know, on the sidelines.
1: Uh, yeah.
3: Just, 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 live cringe is always good.
1: Oh my God, that was perfect.
0: I feel like the word perfect has
1: quite an open ended definition
0: all of a sudden. <laughs> you know what is perfect? And, um, you know what I'm sure was very, very fun to edit and put together? Cyberpunk footage. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because, you know, if you're making a cyberpunk review, you have to edit together all the trailers (laughs) instead of the stuff you recorded yourself. Oh, man. Uh, So we're going to be doing cyberpunk for the news section this week. Big surprise there. And the second least surprising topic of this week is that we're gonna be probably gonna end up spending a good chunk of our small talk section here talking about El Mandorino, um, the Mandalorian. El Mando. Yeah, we're talking about the
1: Mandalorian. Um, It's good. It's really, <laughs> it's really good. good. It's really, really good. Season two. I can't get over how good it was. Oh, man, I, I'm so glad we can all talk. It's amazing. We've all finished a show together, and it's not Agaretska, and we didn't have to blackmail somebody to support the Patreon to actually finish it.
0: I had a, a fun, smooth time <laughs> throughout it. I, uh, I I didn't have to tear myself away from the phone as it was happening. It was, it was good stuff.
3: It was good stuff. Wait, well, you finished it? You started and
0: finished it, George?
3: In a couple days?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I watched watched all um, of that,
3: but you can't watch
1: a fucking anime?
0: No, because Mandalorian's way fucking better than most (laughs) anime. There we go.
1: That's (laughs) the title of the episode. That is not fucking true. In the slightest. What the fuck? Not to say Mandalorian's not good. It's just not. It's not amazing. It's just. It's not Attack on Titan Season 5 good, is it, Matt? Yeah,
3: it's not. let's (laughs) let's be honest (laughs) you don't see a guy flipping around being mad about someone who died and like ripping through huge fucking flesh flesh is walking around you know mando can't do that even though there were some really good episodes this season that's that's what i like about mando it's really i it was better than last season i'll say agreed
1: a hundred uh, like a hundred percent 100%. season two is by far uh, the better season yeah better things season. are set
3: up now which you know could lead into why it's better but still like i feel like the action scenes just a little things were just just a, little, just a bit better because <laughs> it, it still feels like a, it still feels like you're watching tv it still feels that way not to say it's the bad it just feels like you're watching a fucking tv show
0: but, but that TV show you're watching is so much fucking better than um, six of the eight, than seven of the nine Star Wars movies. Oh, okay. I think this is the best, like, Star Wars audiovisual media since Empire Strikes Back. Like, I like this, I think, as an adult... Who, who cringes at, at the cringy moments in Star Wars. I think I'm going to like this in the future more than, than all the other movies besides Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back is great. The Mandalorian is great. The other movies, I think, kind of sort of debatable. But I fucking adore how how much more understated and subtle this is. Like, there's so many scenes where the characters don't say anything and they just totally show instead of tell what's going they on. Died. These beautiful they montages. Died of him riding across the desert.
1: I mean, it's a show about a man with essentially no face, right? So that already tells you everything about it, everything about it, that you can hold a show based on lots of close-ups of basically a man with no face. And that is how just brilliant this show is. It's so good.
3: Oh, you know what? I got to say, since we're going to talk about Mando, Bill Burr was fucking awesome in second season. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Was he fucking good.
1: Very good.
0: And and Rosario Dawson, like it's such an ensemble cast too. Like Carl Weathers was directing a good chunk of the episode. I couldn't believe how many names you can recognize. It, it, it's
1: just an amazing season through. I think one of the things that makes this season Better than the first season is there are a lot more threads that tie to the Star Wars universe. And that's not to say we're hitting on nostalgia because it's people outside of, like, the general Star Wars. Apart from the last episode. It's TV shows. Yeah, Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, like, little bits per episode now that tie up towards the final couple of episodes that get really nice and tidied up. Where in the first season, you didn't really have any of that. It was all new characters. You know, little, little baby Yoda. Baby Grogu which is a funny name that aside, there's a lot more threads tying it to the greatest always universe. And I think that was enticing, but the way they did it with characters who may be lesser known, Ahsoka Tano being one of them, who is amazing. Mm-hmm. As George pointed out, Rosario Dawson was just amazing. And the, f- mm-hmm. the first time you get to see a lightsaber in the whole series, and she's just destroying people in a forest. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. looks
0: like they're <laughs> playing hunt showdown. Yeah, and the, the the visual motifs I thought were like really pretty throughout the whole series too. A lot of the episodes seem to have like themes that call back to old genres. The first episode where he's hunting the crate dragon is totally a spaghetti western.
1: It's so good that episode, and you forget by the end of that series that that episode happened this season because every episode following on from that just continually like not gets bigger but gets almost better. It's so weird. There's not very many lulls throughout the whole season. It just keeps bouncing back and forth. It's pretty amazing.
0: Is it just me? Okay, it can't just be me. The episode with Ahsoka Tano was totally like like a medieval Asian war movie, <laughs> right? Like like all the reds. There was a, a pagoda-looking space wall. There's There's this beautiful little Japanese garden. They have a sword duel in at the end and all these long, quiet shots before someone suddenly slashes a sword yeah. and chaos breaks out. Like, it's cheesy and and archetypical but in a way that makes makes it feel familiar and comfy because the cinematography and the dialogue that they they ham this stuff up and is just so well done and uh those scenes of quietness the long quiet Mm. drags are absolutely my favorite thing because the movies never do that it's a totally different sense of pacing it's not a super duper fast roller coaster ride for you know non-stop manic action for the kids like it's it's
1: quiet. Yeah, but even in, in even in the original trilogy, right, there is moments of peace, like the galaxy is quiet, right? Whether it's Vader standing on like the landing deck of uh, you know, the entire Empire fleet, and he's just looking out into space, or you know, like being in Dagobah, yeah, and or being in Tatooine, there are moments of peace, and it's like one thing that Star Wars always tries to convey to make it seem bigger is the fact that these characters are just one small, tiny, tiny part of this larger universe. And having those pieces of quiet, you know, reflects a lot of that. And I don't think Mando necessarily is trying to say that in the same thing. Obviously, most of this takes place in the Outer Rim, which is also great because it's the areas where the New Republic and the Empire have barely touched. So it's like this kind of like unique, like outlaw zone where things just still like the fact that for most of it, Mando doesn't even know what the force is, but he says, may the force be with you once. Like, it's just a cliche catchphrase because he's heard it is amazing.
0: I love how trashy all the sets look like. I, I, I adore that these long, long montages where there's not a lot being said, they had my mind racing with implications about what's going on like there's a slum in one of those first episodes it might have been the second episode that's covered in graffiti and <laughs> It looks like a chunk of of downtown Athens that I remember where where just every single surface floor wall even a bit of ceiling is covered in incredibly messy scribbly mm. handwritten graffiti. And in the first season we 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 spent an episode in a village that was kind of sort of stuck in a stone age in the Star Wars universe and I was like, "Whoa, is there really like like people living in wooden huts, surviving on fish in the Star Wars universe. And now knowing that there's like graffiti in the Star Wars universe makes it feel so much more nasty and relatable. And there are these scenes where like people are fighting with spears, wooden spears with metal tips while riding on these fancy anti-gravity floating platforms. And it, it, it establishes almost like new rules to the universe, I feel like, where they've like canonized that the engines behind the technology is really, really great, but... There's definitely some some shortages and and subsistence and serious-ass poverty going on that is still, like, breaking it up to another level that I think is even more yeah. intense than, than the first one.
1: It definitely takes the parts of Star Wars that, you know, when you go to Tatooine, it's sandy and just everybody's poor and there's nothing around, everything's broken and dusty. It takes that, but, like, molds it into different places and how it would feel, like, what about tribes in the forest? Uh, or what would it be like to be basically under a dictatorship in, in your own planet. It's pretty amazing how it bounces between all these different places and they have such a different vibe to the, the next place they go.
0: And it seems like no matter where they end up, the uh, build quality and cleanliness of everything is kind
1: of shitty. Well, that's what they say about the Outer Rim.
0: Like those prequel scenes? Those prequel scenes that you spin in Coruscant where everything looks like a 1960s sci-fi, like like smooth and shiny and curvy, is such a different world. Than, than what we're seeing here, this shit's nasty. It is
1: pretty crazy. Uh, the one thing I am interested to know, like Matt, you watch TV more than both of us. Like you are a resident Netflix and chill. How does it actually stack up to like TV shows in general? It's all, all right.
3: right. Like it's not bad. It's just it's just that it's. I mean, it's probably the best Star Wars you are gonna get. Mm. It, you know, uh, TV shows. That's really really where Star Wars has always been, and better than Rogue One. You know, if you wanted that, like, not Jedi story. I do like Rogue One, though. Yeah, yeah. like, then it's even, it's even, like, it's in that space, you know? And how do I explain it? Like, it's for fun, you know? I wouldn't expect to look too deep into this, right? Like, it's for fun. Like, you look at it, it's a cool Star Wars shit to watch. Like, and and that's okay. (laughs) For me, that's, like, that's okay. You know, villain of the week type shit. Like it's, mm. it's totally okay. Like it's, uh, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not like a mask. Because I do feel sometimes.
1: Not. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like sometimes I feel like I, it's. I think it's. I think it's a good TV show. I, I do. I yeah. think it elevates that. But I think the Star Wars blindness elevates yeah. it above to what if it was just a normal gun. Gun Star Wars is fucking magic.
2: Let's yeah Star Wars is
3: fucking magic. yeah,
1: so if it was a normal gunslinger gunslinger sh- like show, it probably it probably wouldn't be like the no. the most talked about thing, right
3: of course. It would not be. no, but it's Star Wars that's actually
0: not shit. So I feel like like there was some emotional depth to the exploration. Oh of, god yeah. Of the relationship between Mando and Baby Yoda in the last two episodes that was like genuinely mm-hmm. meaningful and and important to explore. I, I I don't know if it was just pure fun entertainment from beginning to end. Like it's a much more it's so lonely and and thoughtful and and darker, but still a wholesome gold-hearted adventure that I, I don't know if it was just simple entertainment. I I feel I'm like it's like I learned thing. something about I'm saying the, it's not the best fucking thing since sliced bread. It's an okay show. It's
3: like, <laughs> you don't watch a lot of know. shows,
0: George. I just don't you like don't sliced watch- bread anymore. I don't like sliced bread. Doesn't taste as good as it used to. And
3: listen, listen, it doesn't. All because I say it, it's just a show. It doesn't it doesn't take away that there's some emotional like moments. You know what I'm saying? I still think Bill Burr was, like, the fucking most fantastic shit that I've... That that was the most real shit that I've seen. (laughs) When they go to the prison, I was like, holy shit. Like, the acting there was actually... Like, I wish there was more of that from a fucking comedian. Which, it seems to be right. Most comedians can act.
1: Yeah, yeah. He does a good job, but it's like the... um That... The scene where they're talking to the, the like, whatever he's called, like the general from the empire, or whatever. Yeah. And the moth. And, no, and, no, no, not grand moth. Just the dude. And, and Mando has his helmet off and like the acting. And he's being weird
3: both, because he, yeah, he's, he's supposed weird. to be weird. Yeah. Cause yeah. he's
1: supposed to be weird. And so he's, he's amazing. But mm-hmm. Bill Burr, like the emotion that's building up in him about his dead comrades and everything. Love oh it. my God. And then just like, when he shoots him and Mando, you can see Mando's face for the first time reacts to somebody being shot and being surprised. And you're like, oh, shit, this is so that's good. That's a good moment. Oh, it's God, that's that's, a, that's just an amazing scene. That yeah. is an amazing scene.
0: There are two scenes in the end where some villains just straight up explain how fascism works and then get shot in the face midway through the <laughs> speech. And it is the most satisfying Moment, it's like it's like Metal Gear Solid Three, an incredibly despicable villain you just absolutely fucking hate. The most gratifying justice comes to them at the most gratifying moment possible, and and it feels good to cheer for for these heroes and 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 good to to jeer at the, mm. the, the, the yeah, it's just good.
3: It it just tells me, George, that I need to get you, I need to find your your flavor and get you more of it. Because if you like that, then you should you should enjoy some more shows, man. There's a lot of shit out there. There's a lot of shit out there.
1: There's a lot of shit, right, Liam? You watch some shit. There is, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean this this is the thing you can separate it between like the the classics of TV, right, or like TV shows that really grip you, uh, and yeah. then. This being a good show elevated by the fact that it is Star Wars, but it's very well done Star Wars, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's classy. The sets are amazing. The acting, I think, is actually really good. The one person, I think, who lets down the entire thing, well, actually, there's two. I think the female uh, rebel trooper, I don't think she's a very good actress. Sorry.
3: But she's built like a fucking tank, man. She definitely is in the
1: second season, isn't she? God damn. Yeah. That's um, Wonder
3: Woman right there.
1: Uh, Jesus
3: Christ!
0: I like her. I can't remember her name. She was. I think she was better <laughs> in the first season.
1: The second
3: season, she was a little. She was a little.
1: She's like gun ho, one. kind of like it doesn't feel very yeah. rebel, like mm-hmm. almost kind of villainous a little bit sometimes. Uh, yeah. I actually, yeah. surprisingly, yeah. I think the Grand Moff. I think Gideon. I
3: mean, he's always
1: good. But always I actually good. didn't think he was very good in this. I think he's almost comedic like not very scary he's very he's like you know when he puts baby Yoda in in handcuffs and you're like what the I fuck think... he, why, why and he's holding like a dog saber above his head like see see that's a problem with the show and
3: those are the nitpicks that i rather just not bring up like it's just because it's a fucking sh- it's just a fucking show like e- e- if you nitpick it Like that. Like, it's just like Mm. you could go down a fucking rabbit hole with that with the Mandalorian.
1: I don't think it's necessarily nitpicking. I think just he specifically, I was surprised considering he didn't have that much screen time. And then when he was, he wasn't like I was expecting uh, Gustavo Frings. I was expecting that level of uh, like monstrosity a little bit. And I think that's maybe the problem with being typecasted as a villain like he is. Yeah. Um, The fact that he was almost comedically stupid sometimes. I, didn't think it was, I think he was a bit it's, it's... weak, especially when you got Bill Burr and, you, and then you got, you know, Mando doing his thing. <laughs> I think Boba Fett was amazing, too, considering it's, you know, the guy returning to play Boba Fett. And yeah, the... didn't look like what I expected
0: yeah. Boba Fett to look like. I thought there would be more scars.
1: It's him after you. It's the first time you've seen him after he's been eaten by the Sarlacc. So. So what did you guys think Boba Fett would look like under the helmet? Well, you remember what he looks like cuz he's a clone. You see million, you see hundreds of thousands of him Sexy. in the in the, the original at uh, the prequels. Yeah, but that's not the
0: Boba Fett, like the Sarlacc-eaten, stoic, silent imperial bounty hunter that we saw in the original trilogy. I was imagining someone a lot less talkative with a lot more scars. Well, oh, he his did face. have a lot of
1: scars on his face, didn't he? Um I, but he well he's Django Fett, right? But you know, a bit more stoic. I I think he was pretty cool. I think considering he hasn't had his army, he's probably got used to showing his face for a while and talking to people. I thought he was good. I I, I don't know how they're going to make a book of Boba Fett as good as the Mando Lorian was. And if I could just have season three Mando instead, I would because I really like the the Mando.
3: It's the, the, the woman. The woman that they save, she's like half robot now. Yeah. That's with Boba Fett. I've watched so many shows, so many bad sci-fi shows with her in it that I cannot (laughs) separate her from it because she acts the exact same way. There's stuff like that that just always makes me think of Mando Uh, of of that sci-fi junk.
1: Mm, You're talking like Babylon Five, Stargate SG, like -hmm. those types of. She's just that. She's just
3: that. She's that character. She's not good. It
1: does remind me a little bit of like that.
3: She's not good.
1: It's definitely the best of those, I think. Yes, um, yes.
3: That's why I I hold on to moments like when it's only Mando and Bill Burr or little stuff like that where like it actually gets serious and you actually feel something when it gets serious. You know? There's like really good action scenes for sure that's shot like almost like almost perfect. It it, it still feels like a TV show but it's almost perfect like the the beginning scene of season 1 was like fucking good. Like the, the 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 whole first section was like, but you know, I gotta remember, John, the director, he did fucking Lion King, so I can't really expect much
1: from him. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> well, he did Iron Man, too, so I mean.
3: And yeah, and which was.
1: Bounce apples and oranges.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, they can't all be good, right? So somebody's gotta make mistakes.
0: Well, they can't all be good, but they're all money makers. They are. Like if you look at John Favreau's uh, filmography, like, this guy just bleeds money. Like, like he just, he sweats money. When, when he goes to, to the shower, he has to rinse it off. It comes out of his skin. This is, this is a guy who had a, a huge hand in the Marvel mm. Cinematic Universe. Yeah. The Lion King remake, as bad as it was, is for some reason still one of the most highest oh grossing movies of all time. So he, they're laughing their way yeah, to the bank with It's fucking that Lion King, man. It's Lion King. Yeah. He did Elf. He did Elf. (laughs) So
2: like,
3: (laughs) yeah. He did Elf.
2: He did
3: direct. Oh, director! Oh my God, he did. (laughs)
1: Jesus. (laughs) He fucking did Elf. Can I just talk about two things that amaze me? Mm -hmm. One is, I think, I think Baby Yoda Grogu is fucking amazing, and I could literally watch that kid Amando forever. The puppeteering, I have no idea how they specifically. Doing no, I think it. it's CGI.
3: It's CGI. They make no, it's it a,
1: it's a, look like a puppet. No, it's a puppet. It's a ro- It's an animatronic puppet. They, I, the behind the scenes of the first season, they already show it. It's a a, a completely animatronic puppet. Whenever oh.
0: it moves around, you never see it move around by itself. There's always a, a hole in the set for someone to stick their hand through.
1: The Baby Yoda puppet from The Mandalorian costs five million to make. Supposedly,
0: (laughs) and it is—it is just as impressive a bit of puppetry and effects and crafting as like the original Yoda puppet from the. It's
1: it is complete animatronics. I mean, probably with CGI on top. Look
3: look, look up, baby Yoda CGI. Baby Yoda is fucking CGI. No, no, I I,
1: I just, I just did. It, it, it's, it's, it costs five million to make. It's animatronics. No, no.
0: All right, all right. Newsweek is going to settle this argument.
1: I'm looking at it I'm reading it
0: CGI for the action
3: packed scenes early in the first season handful of shots where it wasn't okay
1: so it it was puppet so the puppet was designed by legacy effects and cost about five million dollars to make it is controlled by two technicians one who operates the eyes and mouth and another who controls other facial uh, expressions the character's voice and sounds were created using a combination of adult and infant vocals as well as recordings of a bat eared fox and a King Kajo I don't know what that is
0: dude Werner Herzog fell in love with that puppet
1: I imagine they definitely use CGI for some parts especially when he's no they they did
3: use CGI for some parts like a lot of like all the action stuff
0: it's a phenomenal technological achievement it's heartbreaking
3: because when it walks and all that type of stuff Mm. they make it look like it's a puppet in CGI
1: yeah but the, when the CGI, he's being yeah. when he's being held and everything, yeah, and, uh, which yeah. is most of the shots. So when he's sat in the back of the the spaceship, he's is yeah. a complete puppet, and it costs five million dollars to make. That is an expensive <laughs> ass puppet. Can you imagine holding it like as the actor, and you're like, oh fuck, if I drop this, it looks pretty good. Yeah. So it says Grogu is mostly the work of animatronics and puppetry, although it's accentuated with CGI. Okay.
0: Imagine that you're working on the set and you like accidentally get some salsa (laughs) on the puppet and no one notices and it goes live on air and you're the only person in the world who knows that that little speck of salsa (laughs) on his like cheek is yours. Oh man. So there's this fun quote here. Episode three director Deborah Chow told Vanity Fair, I had a day with one of the weirdest moments I've ever had directing. I was directing Werner with the puppet and Werner had just fallen in love with the baby. Werner, I think, had forgotten it wasn't actually a live creature and started sort of directing the baby.
1: (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Oh, so speaking of CGI, the one thing Mm. I did want to mention, and I I think the final episode could be talked about by itself anyway, because of all the things that happen in it. And of course, the huge, big reveal. Honestly, if you've listened to this so far and you still care about spoilers, turn away now. The dark troopers in the final episode, they start off and you're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, robot troopers, whatever. Cool. But their episode spends so long, like a, a, a huge amount of the, the runtime of that show showing how fucking scary those dark troopers look. It is really, like, close-ups of their eyes, close-ups of their machinery, close-ups of them kicking Mando, like, close-ups of them being, like, cold steel, like, killing machines, and they look scary. And then, you know, they get blown off into space, and you're like, oh, that was easy, and then they come back, and you're like, oh, fuck, these guys mean business. The fact that the show spends so long to show that these things are, like, gonna kill you, they are killing machines...
0: T-1000s.
1: To then show what everybody's always we- wanted or every- what everybody's always wondered, which is fully adult Jedi Luke and how powerful he would be. To then, they spent so long in the episode to purposely show that when Luke comes and defeats all of them without his hood even falling off, using both his force powers and then also his lightsaber was, I think, quite masterful. Like, you're wondering, like, oh, my God, they're really trying to show, like, these mm. dark troopers, like, how scary these motherfuckers are. Like, there's a lot of close-ups th- of these things. They keep talking about them. They keep going on about how crazy killer-like they are to then have the one moment where Luke boards the ship, kicks all of their ass, and then comes in and then reveals some pretty dodgy CGI uh, of his face. Very
3: but dodgy. Worse th- than
2: it's the movie. Ve-
1: it's very stiff. Not, I don't know if it's layer bad, but it was not the best.
3: It was like a one D, like painted thing on some guy's yes. face. It was yeah. you could noticeable like when he moved his mouth, it was like moving some of his skin with it. Yeah, like, in a very unnatural way. It it was yeah. I always like watching like the deep fakes of uh, these characters. You ever see those? Every time someone does CGI, yeah. they remake it. Like they did for Lion King too.
1: And someone's like, look how good I could be. (laughs) And you're like, sure. I I think that was pretty masterful of them because everyone wanted to see it. Like everyone was wondering, what is the Jedi that Grogu is calling out to? Mm -hmm. I didn't actually expect it to be Luke. I I thought that wasn't going to happen, but it was pretty crazy. And it goes to show how good they built Grogu and Mando's relationship. Because even I didn't want Grogu to go with Luke. Everybody trusts Luke. Everybody loves Luke. I wanted him to stay with Mando so badly because their relationship is so good that I, I didn't even want him to go with Luke, of all people. I thought that was really good. It paid off. I, I thought the last episode was lovely. I really did. I know it's a bit of a fanboy cop-out, but some of the things it does, if you're going to like, you know, play on people's nostalgia and play on the fact that you're, you have the ability to whip out a character at a moment's notice and just get free positive reception... At least do it nice and classy and, and respectful. Uh, and, you know, the whole thing of building up the Dark Troopers to then Luke kicking their entire ass and then having the moment where you kind of don't want Grogu to go with Luke and Mando taking his helmet off. I thought it was really good. I did really like the last episode. The last episode was like shot up to be one of my favorite things in the entire. Put that with the final scene in Rogue One of Darth Vader coming in, destroying all those people um, menacingly. Pretty much on the same level for me of, like, hype Star Wars moments. (laughs) Not necessarily good TV, but hype Star Wars. I think the
0: end of the last episode was a little Deus Ex Machina-ish.
1: I mean, it was always going to happen. They Like, in the two episodes before, they're like, he's going to call out to a Jedi. And you're like, "Oh well, one of them's going to turn up. Is it going to be Obi-Wan and then take him into hiding? Is it going to be Luke? Who is it going to be?
0: it felt a little fan servicey
1: it did but that's the thing is i think if you're going to do it at least do it well and i felt i felt like they did it well apart from the cgi of his face I think they did it well.
0: As a big fan of the '90s expanded universe, I felt like I had an easier time swallowing the fan service pills earlier in the series than the one at the very end. They, they mentioned Grand Admiral Thrawn. They did. They never showed him. That. But but it's not like like he showed up in slow motion slashing robots like 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 Luke Skywalker does. I think that's the thing. Like if they said the name Luke Skywalker, uh, is yeah, him slashing up robots in slow. I think that was maybe what what might have put me over the edge in terms of feeling a little more cheese than emotional intensity
1: so what do you think they'll do do you think they'll do season three of mando where like it's a couple years in the future and grogu is like a talking walking yoda like jedi and then they that him and mando team up again to take down general thrawn because they definitely threw that name out with the intention of a a further season unless buck of boba fett covers it um I would rather have that than Book of Boba Fett. I would I would rather too. I don't think I I'm I'm too
0: super hyped for Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett just kind of looked like an asshole in that teaser after the credits.
1: He, yeah,
0: uh, just walked yeah. in, killed someone and sat on a chair and I'm like, "Okay, I don't I don't know if I like this guy."
1: <laughs> he is a villain after all. He was a villain in the original series. Considering he's the original Mando, like he definitely doesn't hold a candle to my new love Mando. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. The Mandalorian himself is like a hero. Like, like he helps people out. He holds his word. Boba Fett is like chaotic, neutral.
1: You know. Mm. Boba Fett doesn't even have a woo 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 theme. So how can I get on board oh, without that? Oh, the music too. That? The music.
0: It's such a different motif than the John Williams stuff.
1: Very different.
0: It doesn't look like Star Wars. It doesn't sound like Star Wars. But it explores the universe in a way that makes me feel like I'm a kid watching Star Wars again.
1: Yeah, I I I did. I think we're all pretty in agreement. I think I definitely think as Matt has sort of pointed out, it's, <laughs> it's that it is that it's good TV, but it's not like the best thing ever Star Wars elevates it to that next level just because it's Star Wars. And considering the Star Wars that we've seen recently has been hot, hot garbage. garbage. It, it, it is like, oh, my God, Lord and Savior has returned to us. Star Wars is great again, to paraphrase a shitty phrase of another human being. So, I do wonder where they'll go with this, considering they have so many other spin-offs coming. I wonder if they'll be as non-fansive as he has Mando has typically been with stuff like Obi-Wan and other stuff like that. I kind of want them to continue with, like, just sprinkling little bits.
0: Yeah, I want to go on Witcher quests. I don't. I don't want to. It basically
1: is side quest. The the TV show.
0: I I I don't want to go on a a big grand save the galaxy adventure with with force magic. Force magic is my least favorite part of Star.
1: Apart from when they're trying to take the blood midichlorians from Baby Yoda.
0: I. I, They never said that word. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: wonder how much debate there was in the writing room over it. (laughs) Don't say the M word.
0: I would love to to know what writing these episodes is like. The
1: whole blood storyline was probably the weakest part of it. Like, they don't even, like, it doesn't show the blood getting injected into, like, any of the dark troopers or any of those clones that you saw in tubes, like, that definitely didn't really get explored, which is fine, I guess, but, yeah. Interested to watch more? Star Wars. Okay,
0: I'm I'm sure we played video games, but, I have a quick story I wanted to share with you guys about something weird Ooh, going on in my life. Life story, and that is um, how many of my oh. electronics are broken. <laughs> it's not it's not that exciting of a premise, but I feel like I can uh, I can make it I can make it more exciting through um, through through tone. <clears throat> All right. So I've got four companies neck and neck racing against each other to replace my electronics. Who's going to be first? We got joy cons, the valve index, the PSVR and my wow. coffee machine neck and <laughs> neck on their way to the finish line. So far, the valve index is in the head with, the, with the, a solid lead of um getting me a new replacement unit in a week and a half without me having to send in the previous one. Um, Nintendo is, is coming in at a, at a hot good second place, bringing my Joy-Cons back for free after two and a half weeks. However, they had a very misleading website that uh, sends you to a customer service portal where a human being will want to charge you $80. If you go through an automated, we're gonna fix your Joy-Cons portal instead, you can get it done for free with no argument needing to be made whatsoever. And Sony is actually the worst at this, apparently. Uh, I put in my request about a month ago. For, um, me to get my PSVR repaired. And since it was out of warranty, it cost $130 and they're supposed to mail you a box that you put your unit in and then they send you another one back in another box. And the box hasn't come yet. My coffee machine has been replaced quicker than the, than Sony can replace the PSVR. The good folks at Hamilton Beach Coffee are more up on their game on customer service than, uh... Sony is, and who, who are lagging behind Nintendo and even Valve here. But, you know, for $1,000 for Valve Index, you expect good customer service and product that maybe doesn't have so many issues.
1: Video game companies definitely are not well known for their repair policies.
0: I I, I never fortunately have had to make use of them that much, but did you guys ever replace a red-ringed Xbox 360 by chance? Uh. No. Because I think that's the last time I've done this.
1: I've only had to send a console back once, and it was the Wii. Do you remember when Super Smash Bros. Brawl came out and some Wii's could play it and some (laughs) couldn't? They needed. Oh, no. Did you get one of the bad ones? I did get one of the bad ones, and I bought. And I had to wait two weeks to play the game I bought at midnight because I was so excited. Everybody knows I love Smash, but, I like, that... Because oh, I didn't have the dual-layered lens or whatever the hell they needed for the replacement of the... oh, That was agony! Absolute agony. That's the only time.
0: I, I, I feel like I've gotten a little lucky, because the one and only time before now that I've had to send it back was, was a red-ringed Xbox. When they were replacing them for free, I got Wait a second. Now that I think back on it, I think I actually sent it in twice, <laughs> and then just threw it away when it red ringed the third time. <laughs> Matt was there when I threw it away.
3: I fucking hated those. Things.
1: You are seriously yeah. unlucky, or is there just something you're doing? Probably combination. Uh, well, I feel like
0: like if. If the last time I sent it in was in, like, 2008, 2009, and it's been 11 years since then, that's not that bad of a luck.
1: Wait, so when did you throw it out? If 2008, 2009, how long did it last? 10 years? No. Uh,
0: I threw it out around 2013-ish, when I got my Wii U, because I no longer needed to keep it around as a Bayonetta machine. (laughs)
1: Because you were like, the future of gaming is here. My Wii U has arrived. There's definitely no need for an Xbox 360 now.
0: So long as I have a Bayonetta machine plugged into the TV, I'm good. And Bayonetta's getting ported to everything, well, Nintendo stuff these days. So I'm I'm, I'm good on that front. I no longer need to keep an Xbox 360 around for a Bayonetta machine. I have a PS3 now for a Metal Gear Solid HD Collection machine. But yeah, Joy-Cons are, like, probably the most notoriously failure-prone video game hardware to ship since the Xbox 360. And... Nintendo is doing an okay job of replacing them, but the one thing that really does strike me as dirty about what they are doing, they're not being consistent across their all their customer service departments. If you go to their website and start a chat with the customer service agent, they'll try to charge you $80 and tell you it's out of warranty. But if you go to a customer service portal they specifically have set up for broken Joy-Cons to get replaced for free, then you're not going to have to deal with that at all. And that makes me wonder how many people are actually paying... The $80 fee, or just buying a new pair of joysticks, rather than doing the right thing and getting them fixed for free. Seems seems misleading.
1: I just bought new Joy-Cons when mine started to drift. It's too much of a pain in the ass.
0: It is a pain in the ass to mail them in, but I don't think I could spend $80 willy-nilly like
1: I could a couple years ago. <laughs> 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 Merchandise can be purchased at the Dan Sun store on TeeFulling.
0: <laughs> where you can, you can watch us give away that merchandise on the, the ClusterCast 2021, the, the Dad Awards show in a couple of weeks in early January. Anyways, we're going to be talking about video games on, on that episode. Maybe.
1: Maybe for once. <laughs> if, you're, if you want to come for that. I'm interested. Actually, wait. Look, before we do move on, I'm just intrigued. As a general count, Matt, did you finish a game this week?
3: I tried not to, actually, intentionally.
1: Oh, hey. sound in the game, but did you?
3: Hell yeah, if I feel great. Did you? I, got really far in Dragon Quest Eleven.
2: <laughs> ah, you fucking uh, bastard!
3: Really <laughs> far in? How many hours? I would have to log in, but I'm definitely like
1: you're gonna guess a part time job. <laughs>
3: Yes, definitely part-time jobs, uh, and uh, I I was like, ah. And someone on on a Discord was like Spiritfarer. I was like, oh, okay, I could I try that. Downloaded that. Um, they didn't play much, and then a friend wanted to play Outward, so I spent like we spent like like a day playing that. Like we just couldn't stop. Uh, it's so much. So much more fun with another person. I tried to play that solo a while back, and it mm. was kind of boring. But when you have a second player, Ooh. it's significantly more fun and more enjoyable because that game is unforgiving. Unforgiving. But uh, it it. Dragon Quest
2: is
3: a good polished r- relic of a game.
1: Mm-mm of an ancient time ancient
3: time man um i don't understand how i've played so much to be honest that game is sometimes real dumb but sometimes kind of amusing at the same time you know it's a jrpg like what you're not gonna get you're not gonna get like a great story you know, people people always say like when you when you when you see those reviews, oh, great story! I'm like, what do you know of what? Would you, what is a great story to you, sir? What is a great story? Because this story is pure, <laughs> pure, just whimsical bullshit. Um,
0: but
1: <laughs> sometimes you need a bit of whimsical yes, bullshit. Though.
3: Yes,
0: Man, I need so much. I, I whimsical I feel like bullshit. if you're going to
3: play a JRPG, a classic one, you. You definitely should pick Dragon Quest Eleven over some some other ones for sure. For Heck yeah. sure. That Heck that yeah. is that is uh, it's it's pure in its form. That that I mean, because it, it's not much to really say. Like the combat is the combat. Exploration is fun because you, you find little things everywhere. There's lots of like uh ways to like, like they have these mounts. You kill monsters and you can mount them and do different stuff with them and get like more little little bits and pieces. There's not much to do with it. You can... It, but you do get, like, extra loot. You can, like, oh, you know, get on a bumblebee and fly across the pond and get, get yourself a, 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 a an ore. that, how sweet. you know, you need for crafting, you know? Or... It is. That's so it cute. Is, it is. A little Like, it needs stuff, little stuff like that for it to make... Make it a more enjoyable experience than just it just like a straight line. Uh, you know, like, oh, we'll go here, fight this. There's a lot of good moments. There's definitely a lot of good moments. And I definitely like it when the CG comes in, hands <laughs> a play, that shit looks good. Shit looks so good. Because it basically you're playing a, a a side story of Dragon Ball Z. Okay? Like, you got niggas turning Super Saiyan and all type of stuff. Like it's 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 fuck <laughs> it's fucking it's like it's like a wet dream, man. You collect the Dragon Balls, man. Like, come on, man. You you'll never. Let me say, if if you have a problem with a silent character, you'll never get over it. It's fucking annoying. It's so annoying. It
1: is a bit weird that. Yeah, it is a bit weird that in the menu it asks you if you want to have silent. the, the guy's voice on, and you're like when he moans he doesn't even <gasps> talk anyway, it's yeah. like. I wanted to
3: say something, okay? I needed to make sure he's not a robot, you
1: know? No shit. Yeah. <laughs>
3: it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Yo, fuck. fuck.
2: <laughs>
3: can you imagine, can you imagine if the
1: default was like off, and then you turned it on after like twenty hours, and he's just like, "Oh shit, like, damn! I needed this
3: like from the beginning."
1: <laughs> oh shit! You, you killed killed guys are getting on my damn fucking nerves. Yeah. <laughs> I would
0: love to uh, rewrite. Barrett from Final
1: Fantasy 7 like
3: that. He's already like that. He's already racist. George, you want him more racist? But, but I mean, That's just go going... like, yeah, I, yeah, Liam, yeah, Liam. No, not yeah. Profanity. It came out his mouth, profanity. Liam. It fucking came out his mouth,
0: <laughs> It would be hilarious to hear Barrett drop f bombs. Okay. Oh my
2: god. <laughs>
1: sometimes white people don't know what they're saying you know
3: sometimes it just comes out comes out wrong
1: at this (laughs) point at this point I'm I'm unsure as to whether it's a running joke or a genuine (laughs) threat
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you know what telltale games the walking dead taught me silence is a valid answer
1: (laughs) no comment
3: what the walking dead you said
0: uh yeah, Telltale's The Walking Dead. Oh
3: okay, I was about to say a lot of black people die on The Walking Dead. I
1: I, I just saw I just saw Matt's uh, screen. Uh, there was a little bit in the corner that says Matt will remember yes.
3: that. Yes. <laughs> and, you know I should I should definitely like, that. Just program that into my webcam and just like fucking have that pop up on Discord. I remember that. <laughs> it's, <right at> me. <laughs> it's okay, George. It's in there. It's in there. I'll be looking for it. <laughs>
0: Okay, real quick. Speaking of The Walking Dead. Uh, I that played The Walking segue. Dead. Well done. Well, yeah, but it kind of I had to derail the train back again. Um, yeah, I played two zombie games this weekend. I played The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners on VR and Back for Blood and Pancake Vision. They're both good, but I absolutely positively want to recommend The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners to both of you guys. Oh, that is shit. a good, super good VR game. You know, I don't want to say like Half Life Alex style campaign. It's definitely not got that level of polish. It does not look as good nor feel as good as, as Half Life Alex. But what it is is a Deus Ex style immersive sim with some really, really interesting systems going on, where you have to uh, do a lot of good time management and inventory management stuff. You explore some some wreckage of of post zombie apocalypse New Orleans. It's real spooky. It's gothic. It's the dark souls of American city architecture. There's giant cemeteries and huge pieces of stonework building blending in with the um, uh, big glass skyscraper towers. And everything's all flooded. There's Spanish moss covering everything. It looks like like a cartoony hunt showdown, like The Walking Dead should. The inventory system you know got you know what a menu boy i am right the inventory system is an actual backpack you sling off your back and then start picking items out of with your hands the journal sure enough is an actual journal you pull out of your breast pocket and start flipping through with page motions it's it's got some of the most elegant and satisfying vr interfacing i i think i've played with and the exploration is uh tense, deus ex style, first person immersive stealth, but with like a soft time limit going on where the longer time you spend in an area shuffling through everyone's cabinets like, uh, like you do in a good deus ex game, eventually some chimes will ring out in the city and bring a horde of zombies in. And uh, they represent a real threat because every time you kill them, you, you can't swing a quick melee weapon at them. You actually have to make sure you hit their head and then waggle your hands around a bit to dig the weapon through their brains a bit before it actually kills the zombie. So getting close enough to these zombies to where melee combat happens is is a dangerous thrill making sure that you are um managing your your inventory and ammo is 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 a fun and dangerous thrill because everything has intense durability and breaks in a few hits and and the combat and the pacing is slow enough to the point where it ends up making it feel like every single move you make matters every every step you take through these environments is chipping away at that soft time limit. Every hit you make with the melee weapon has to count or else you'll be chipping away at some durability meters that you um don't want to be fiddling around with too much. There's there's the hunger system that uh requires you to eat your character every every few hours and that chips down at like your permanent health and your permanent stamina which have to slowly be managed over over longer periods of time. There's some really interesting gameplay going on. And some looks cool. fun writing and characters going on. And the other game I played was um, Turtle Rock Studios' Left for Dead follow-up uh, called Back for Blood, which pretty much exactly is Left, 4 Left Dead for 3 Dead 3 in a rougher, earlier alpha state. They put out a closed alpha that for um, some reason was invite-only. Some, somehow, I, I ha- had a friend who was able to get me a code for that. And, and yeah, it's... I I don't know if I want to call it at this point, because it does feel rougher than Left 4 Dead did, which is to be expected, because it's alpha. Hmm. But I also um, have to wonder if they're... It feels ancient. It feels... feels
1: I mean, Left 4 Dead itself has aged well, because it's very just... By the numbers, kind it's of? It's still
0: unique, but the staticness of these environments, like how many moments you're just holding the shoot button down while waving your cursor across a crowd. At this point in my life, that stuff feels so much less interesting than like thinking about what's happening across the whole entire environment at a time like you do in a game like Siege or Hunt Showdown, where, where the environment you're in is not a static hallway full of zombies like uh, versus a fully destructible house with with three different floors or a giant swamp with a really complicated AI ecosystem that you're manipulating as you go through. It's basic. It is back to basics. It plays like something from, let's say, 2012. There's a little bit of modern amenities in there that weren't in the original Left 4 Dead games. There's some better pinging systems. The levels are more open-ended, alternate pathways going through, Titanfall-style burner cards that you play before a match that add mutator effects like changing the time of day the weather or the enemy types you know what i want to say weather don't want to say time of day i don't have vivid memories of them changing that but there's definitely a card that like turns fog on Mm. and occasionally you'll get like a scripted segment with a friendly character or like some soldiers who want you to go on a mission and blow up a boat and there's a dramatic escape sequence it feels a little more a little teensy weensy bit more scripted than left for dead but other than that Yeah, it is Left 4 Dead 3. If you liked Left 4 Dead, you're probably going to appreciate it. But I do wonder if it just feels a little too rough. And uh... when when I say that, I mean that the movement itself actually feels a little slower and stickier. It doesn't have that source engine smoothness, you know? Like like when you're playing Half-Life 2 locked at 60 FPS and every single character on the screen just glides across... The ground in your mouse cursor is beautifully smooth and, and sensitive. This feels more like Bioshock 1 in terms of game feel. <laughs> but there's still some, some cool ideas going on. Some fun character designs, some fun monster designs, which was, was good stuff from Left 4 Dead 2. I mean, Left 4 Dead characters were meme-worthy for a while back in the mid Like They were iconic representatives of the Valve brand. And um, you got like a... A fun Harley Quinn style baseball bat punk girl. Uh, a fun um, who who who's the the sidekick in um, Big Lebowski? Who's the Vietnam veteran with the tinted glasses?
1: Guy from the Flintstones. Uh, John
0: Goodman, maybe.
1: Yeah, it's John Goodman.
0: Yeah, you got you got a John Goodman type who who definitely looks like that character from the Big Lebowski who. Um, this is like a fat white guy covered in, in military surplus gear making quips about survivalism and stuff. Yeah, it's
1: like, it's fun. It's fun. It's fine, though. And I think... The trailer did nothing for me. I don't think Left Dead has done anything for me for a long time. Yeah. I kind of just I... wish zombies in general would just, like, fuck off forever, but...
0: I think I kind of outgrew this sort of deal is what it feels like. Like, the latest games I've been playing definitely have felt like like they were from a more a more modern era than this one which which is the point I can't fault them for that and I can't say it's bad either so much as I just don't know if I'm going to be real interested in this as it goes on further I was I was intrigued I was a big fan of Left 4 Dead 2 not so much the first game which is not usually how that process goes but I I also wasn't a big enough fan for Left 4 Dead 2 to be one of my favorite games of all time and I'm sure if I loaded it up now I'd not think that much about it
1: <laughs> yeah i don't think i'm gonna play it um but yeah I, I am interested to see what the response is like considering you know people have hounded valve for a left for dead 3 uh for a long time i mean of course outside of half-life 3 but
0: Walking Dead Saints and Sinners ironically does make zombies a little more interesting than usual because of the level of interactivity you get with them. You're not holding down the fire button and waving through the crowd in that one. You're you're stacking up objects to block their path. You're thinking of alternate routes as you as you go through to not run into them.
1: Yeah, I think making them scary again is a, is a good idea. I think that would mm-hmm. be a good way forward, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of of the two zombie games I played this weekend, <laughs> Walking Dead was was a pretty darn great time um back for blood was was something i think i played for the podcast <laughs> Woo!
3: <laughs> you played something for the podcast george and that is that is a thumbs up in my book
0: wait did i say left for dead just now instead of back for blood you did i might have yeah i think i i
1: think i did i don't think anybody will uh, castrate you for making such an error.
0: Oh, they know what they're doing. It's super duper clear. They even call the the randomizer system the director. (laughs) There's there's a tutorial video you watch before you begin where the narrator lady says, we're proud to provide the cooperative FPS experience that people have waited years for. They can't say it. They can't say it by name, but they pretty much are very blatantly saying, yes, we are making Left 4 Dead 3 here, guys. (laughs) <laughs> however i will say one thing good on them for having a pretty darn good <laughs> darn good looking product that they're calling an alpha that they're releasing a-, a good six seven months before their release date which they have announced a good six seven months ahead of time it seems like uh turtle rock studios published by wb games here they they seem to have their shit together though i i will i will give them that it's it's a uh polished competent professional product it's it's uh not super well optimized, not not totally glitch-free, but it definitely seems to be at a higher level than the big news topic we're talking about this
2: week. Yeah.
0: Anything is at a higher level than fucking Cyberpunk. It got so much worse. It got so much worse since last week. Holy shit.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Couple days after we put that show out, Sony took Cyberpunk off the PlayStation store. (laughs) And that That really started toppling a whole tower of dominoes over for them. Holy shit. Oh, this is nuts. All right. So on December 17th, Sony Interactive Entertainment started offering full refunds for people who bought the PlayStation 4 version of Cyberpunk 2077. They delisted it from their store. The day after, Microsoft does a similar thing, not quite the same. What they're doing is expanding their refund policy. To include refunds for the Xbox uh, One version, right? Right. The Xbox Series X version, like the actual official next gen version of this game, isn't out yet, right?
1: Uh no, 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 yeah. no, it's not. The what the, the 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 versions you're playing on Series X and and PS5 are still the PS4 and uh, Xbox One versions of the game, but they obviously run better because of the console's power. So they
0: are refunding those. Best Buy is uh, the big American retailer is also expanding their refund policy beyond their norms to uh, refund Cyberpunk 2077 through December 21st. Which hey, look at that, is today. Yeah, stores are changing their refund policy for this stuff. The console manufacturer, what w- you wouldn't call them a publisher, but still like a huge overseer in this process, who's supposed to certify things and. They've, they've said that this does not meet their, their level of quality.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. Sony
0: Interactive Entertainment strives to ensure a high level of customer satisfaction. Therefore, we will begin to offer a full refund for all gamers who have purchased Cyberpunk 2077 via PlayStation Store.
1: I wouldn't. Uh, Sony ain't no good guy here either. And companies are so
0: full of shit. You know, so say,
3: yet. Yeah. So full of shit.
1: The
0: anticipation of this game is the special qualifier here and the sheer volume of pre orders.
1: This is what people have been asking questions about. Like, well, how did this game get passed through certification? How did this game get through Sony and Xbox's internal quality? Blah blah blah. Uh, it's called Money, and games like GTA and Assassin's Creed and Cyberpunk can get away with anything on based promises of we will fix it. Mm-hmm. And Sony and Microsoft ain't gonna delay Cyberpunk because they know it's gonna make a massive amount of money for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but considering Cyberpunk, you know, well, CD Projekt Red came out and were like, "Well, you can contact Sony and Microsoft for refunds." And those companies were like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't don't throw us under the bus. You guys fucked up the hard." Uh, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. Sony were just like, "All right, well, fuck you then. Uh, we'll just delist your entire game." I mean, this is a massive, massive thing, and I think the partnership between Sony and CD Projekt Red will be irreversibly ruined, because um, this is... This, this is unprecedented. Bad. This, this is Has this happened bad.
0: before? Like, I remember Uh, No No Man's Sky was a huge deal, but they didn't offer refunds over that. See, there's
1: a big difference here. And a lot of people pointing out, obviously, Fallout 76 and and No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky was just not the game that was promised. It wasn't a fundamentally broken game, though. It wasn't a game that didn't run. Fallout 76, you could argue, was so full of bugs that it made it unplayable. But Cyberpunk, like, doesn't run, doesn't work.
3: I didn't want to shit too much, but there was this part where... You know, like it, it run well on my system and there were bugs, right? The really stupid mm. bugs that just really like got you out of um being immersive. But there was this one bug where literally every time I would go down the elevator during this part, it, like you had to do it. It was a story mission. I would get knocked off by a parade balloon outside of the elevator and onto the street and die every single time. <laughs> there was no way I'm to go do- around it.
1: I'm, do- I'm doing that mission right now.
3: <laughs> every time, every time, Liam. So I had to. I years and years of playing games. I went into a corner of the of the elevator. Kept jumping, 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 jumping. So every time, so when as soon as I hit the balloon, I would jump midway. Jump over the balloon, slide across, and and still come outside. But there was like a ledge before you fall off the building. I land on the ledge and then double jump onto, uh, the the surface that I needed to get to. Good, good.
1: <laughs> Getting around the bugs. It's it's funny actually because I mean I've carried on playing it. I haven't finished it, but I've actually been kind of enjoying it more because I've just kind of got used to it. But then they released a new patch the other day 1.05 mm-hmm. and i'm way i'm noticing way more graphical issues now it's like Ooh. they've <laughs> like they've tried to fix oh. the performance but they've what they've done is what's quite kind of typical is you know you fix one thing but you break everything else and the, the general graphical performance is a lot lower like the pop-ins of textures is is so much more noticeable water just looks terrible and like on the ground you'll notice there is like ambient occlusion around the player. And the LOD occlusion that generally is into the distance to a point where the player can't see is very clearly maybe only ten or twenty feet in front of the player. Now the so textures of decals on the on the road or the or the buildings um, pop in and out depending on mm-hmm. a, a, depending on how you move, and it's so noticeable. I've I've recorded about four different clips on my Xbox of it happening. Xbox record that it's <laughs> it doesn't seem to be getting fixed very well but these things are tough no no that
3: i could get this shit this game is done it's it's pack up the bags like come back to it next year after a few months after some
1: like i i don't even know how did you guys listen to the uh the shareholder call audio that got released Oh shit! No. Audio got released. The, well, it was it was on their official like website on the CD Projekt where they must legally have to do it.
0: But it was. Uh... Oh, I was thinking of the Jason Schreier thing.
1: No, 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 I I don't think Jason probably will have heard anything other than anonymous stuff so far, right? But mm,
0: the... he he did a thing. He did a, a, a he jumped on this. Um, of course, he did. Beat and uh, <laughs> talked about a an internal phone call. But anyway, that's not an investor meeting. I was thinking of a different Yeah, thing. no, Anyways. this
1: was audio, but I listened to it. It was about 47 minutes long. And the one thing that struck me the most, and I think this is part of the problem, is the shareholders were JP Morgan, Barclays Bank, and it was all of these monopoly banks. And you're like, of course, of course, this is just, of course, the problem stem from pleasing shareholders releasing a game too early because you need to make money because your development is like 500 people that has gone on for eight years and the people who are asking questions don't know a jack shit about video games who then are big massive banks that are the shareholders in cd project red who have now lost a billion in like their share value it's like of course it all like it's just a recipe for disaster these things and it was quite eye-opening I don't know, like, what did they do
3: for eight years? Sorry, I'm just going to have to go down this hole real quick. Like, what the fuck did it's they not do that easy. for eight years, Liam? Well, I mean... is it? This can't be the same team that made The Witcher 3, right? The people leave? Well,
1: supposedly there was a Reddit thread that went up uh, about the timeline mm-hmm. of how the game was made. And honestly, it's not really any different from most games. The fact is, if games take a long time people leave new people come in you have right. to onboard those people then those people don't like the current game state and ideas so they bring in new ideas and then you just get stuck in development hell because you don't have any continual focus
0: i i do want to point out that reddit thread in particular i, I don't necessarily want to leak to it you know it's a guy who just says dude trust me i'm friends with one of the developers and then they make some suspicious claims yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, yeah but i mean reading it it wasn't it's not unfeasible. Like looking at it, I'm like, this totally could have happened.
0: It's plausible, but it's no Jason Schreier piece.
1: No.
3: And and I get it. I get it. I get it. Coming to a project midway, especially in what I do, sucks. You don't know what the other person did. Their mm. their fucking way of doing work is could be chaotic as a motherfucker. And you're just like, what what, what? 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 Why? Why are you doing
1: it this way? You know, like they're not doing it simple. I could. I get it. I get it. So So I would. I would say that it's like imagine doing that a couple of times over, right? But imagine also being somebody who's consistently on that project from start to beginning. By the end, you you just hate it. You just you just hate the project, right? So you can't see. You just want it finished. There's no. There's. I'm not going to use the word passion because that's the wrong thing. There's just nothing left in the tank. Um, and you have that for hundreds of people who are trying to c- together work through arduous conditions to get something finished and you have turnover and you have new people come in and it's just a bit of a mess. It's like holding up a broken house and you add on top of that money and deadlines. And when you have no focus, because people are not consistently through there leading the project, you have things where you have, I think Cyberpunk's RPG side is not very strong, but I think it's actual like dialogue and stuff is actually pretty good. The more I go through it, the more I, the more I'm like a little bit impressed by at least the different options you can have. No, but everything else, like the traffic, has been pointed out that it just doesn't work. You know, the 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 NPCs. Do, there's no reason for them to exist. Um, so that's another thing. So there's like these little bits that get focused on really heavily, and throughout development, obviously they must have been the main focus. But then these other aspects. Just that they're like, oh, we'll get to that eventually. Oh, we'll get to that eventually. And then within the last year, they're like, oh fuck, like, what do we do about the traffic in this giant city? And then you're like, oh well, we'll just make the cars follow what like one line, and and then it'll you know if things get in the way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who knows, man?
3: Yeah, a lot of the a lot of it is like that. Like the most basic ass AI for everything.
1: Mm. Because they probably just didn't they ran out of time. The, the fact is. But, it's but down Liam, to bad management. Liam, I,
3: I'm going to try not to be like the guy who's looking in talking shit. I'm going to try not because I, I tried to keep it like the very simple <laughs> shit last time. But mm. like all you have to do is go seven years back. Watch that trailer. They have flying cars. They had all sorts that's of shit. All conceptual. very cyberpunk it's... shit. Right. Like I understand. Yeah. That's a concept. Right. I get it. Yeah. What came out? Was not cyberpunk.
0: Is this the the underwear girl trailer? Yes. Oh, that was <laughs> just <laughs> <"Tats of> nothing. <laughs> trailer.
3: It, that shit. That shit. You can like, never it, believe it, that. It stuff. was. It was. It was obvious. Like that was
1: exactly what got people hyped up. Mm. But you can see that. Like, but that's just development, isn't it? Like, you go down these focused paths where, to yeah, them, you, the you art play piece,
3: old ass cars. Oh, that's fucking car. No, you just
1: add two extra wheels, man. It becomes cyberpunk. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> there are no flying cars. That's right. The city is multi no nothing multi-leveled to There's try no and be nothing. like that. I am gonna say in twenty
3: twenty seventy seven, the world is gonna look way better than it did in cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. <laughs> I'm just gonna you go ahead so? and go. So holla at me in in a in a few years in uh 57 years how at me in 57 years all right? when we're old
1: and tell me the world don't look fucking better than that bullshit for the live stream episode 1000 of the dad and sons podcast you can point to matt and say look matt no flying cars mate
0: you're such an <laughs> optimist Shit. Uh, there's already hovering
3: man you got people already you got the you got the white people already hovering over water let me tell you got the white the people next thing,
2: hovering over water?
3: That's the that's the, that's what they do. They buy these things and they can when hover can over water. When can black people fly? You don't see you don't see black people on them things. Come on now.
1: <laughs> when Who? can the black people fly? When do
3: you see those videos? Those travel videos with a, Nah, you don't see them doing that. Come on.
0: <laughs> Who will be the first black person to hover above water? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be me.
1: They're gonna make a statue right next to Martin my Link's cousin. Already got that, a boat, man. man. We're gonna we're gonna travel the fucking world, man. <laughs> travel the fucking world. I'm gonna be the first black travel YouTuber. You sound like an NPC character already. My cousin's got a boat, and we're gonna travel the world. And we're gonna together. travel the world.
0: <laughs> we just need an engine. Yeah. So one thing that I think is especially tragic is the name of the game, and the situation the world's in, and the situation the game's in. Uh, So Jason Schreier had a couple sources talk to him about an internal phone call where the developers were apparently really, really mean at their bosses in this phone. He says that one developer (laughs) asked whether CD Projekt's directors felt it was hypocritical to make a game about corporate exploitation while expecting that their employees work overtime. The response was vague and noncommittal.
1: Oh my god. Beautiful
3: god damn
0: damn
3: oh man yeah that's one thing i never that's what they i think we were all thinking of when we were playing that game and we just never <laughs> it's just like wait 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 is this project doing all this crunch shit and all this type yeah. of stuff why are they why are they going this route it just seems like such a shitty story for them to, to do
0: when it comes to living in, in a shitty science fiction dystopia where corporations are more powerful than governments in terms of how much say they have in everyone's life, where where the wonderful space programs that were going on when the boomers were growing up have devolved into defunded, politicized nothingness, I find it incredibly depressing that the situation around cyberpunk is a lot more cyberpunk than the game cyberpunk itself seems to be. It's, this shit is titanic like like it's a, it's a monument to the human hubris they're they're making the biggest most most impressive ocean liner of them all only to to have it get hoisted by their own petard it's uh, it's the irony it it kills me i don't know if i want to laugh at it or like laugh nervously in self defense cuz i'm genuinely scared guys <laughs>
1: I feel, I feel so bad for those devs. So bad. I, I, okay,
3: okay. Wait, wait, wait. All right, all right. I want you to tell me about... I'm all for the separation between devs and corporate shitheads. All for mm. it. But, I mean, these boys work for CG, pro- uh, CD Projekt Red. Right? They're going to be able to get another job if they wanted. to. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I fucking worked on The Witcher 3. Boom. Job. I worked yeah. on fucking Cyberpunk. Boom. Like...
1: I would say in that... You've got to remember, right? Most of them are Polish. So they're probably not going to leave Poland, mm. right? But in in Poland, outside of maybe the super hot devs and a couple of others, CD Project has a complete monopoly on the whole games industry in that country. It's literally um. the eighth biggest company in Poland by money. Um, So... For them, I, I'm, I, you know, it's either stay at CD Projekt Red and see and wait it out and see if this gets better over time. Can CD Projekt Red repair its reputation? Is it even going to make enough money to keep that studio running? <sighs> there's there's a couple of other really tragic factors around this, but you are right. Like those guys could go anywhere. They, you know, even if you said you worked on CD Projekt Red, you go to another company, they're going to be like, "Oh, dude, we need you. Like come aboard." It's it's never how the game gets received. But it's your individual. If you're an artist on the game, you can be like, "Look how great the game looks." They'll be like, "Hell yeah, let's have you." But the reality is, it's like if my job got taken away and I I want to live in Kyoto, my options are so limited. For the, those, if they're Polish and they live in Poland and maybe they only speak Polish, that's it. Like maybe their game career is over. Like if they if they don't want to stay at CD Projekt Red or or leave Poland, so CD
0: project reds good days definitely might be over at this
1: point even if they come out with a witcher 4 right maybe right. the witcher tv show can save them maybe season 2 of the witcher witcher the tv show did
3: it get a cut or does that is that a no book thing?
0: it's
1: already in production isn't it
0: yeah that's still going and that's that's in netflix's hands not cd Projekt. the
1: first season was pretty decent
0: it ain't no, so, the, learn, no the, Yeah, know. The Lordy, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's, it's the same thing.
3: It's just like good ass TV. You sit down, elevated by the edible
1: IP. And
0: yeah, just, you
3: know, enjoy yourself. Oh, ugh,
0: yeah. Uh, I I feel like on low one level, the, the tragic thing is that they still made a gazillion bucks anyway, but they
1: might not. I don't think I. Uh, that's the thing. I think they forecasted twenty million lifetime. Well, didn't they break some sales records on this stuff though? I sold 8 million pre-orders.
0: That's a lot. That is a shit ton.
1: I don't know. Unless this game gets massively fixed and then becomes a next-gen rebirth, it can happen. We've seen it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, it's not even... At, the, at this point, it's not even the game. It's about CD Projekt Red, right? It's about like the fact that they lied about how the state of current con- uh, the current-gen consoles were in. They actively have done a bit of edgelord marketing that's kind of come to bite them in the ass again. You can't oh, be punk. fuck
0: off. Yeah. Jesus Christ. There's, there's one of those coming up in a minute.
1: If you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be a corporate loser and, uh, if you're, you've lost a billion dollars in share value, this, I mean.
0: So, yeah, oof. I mean, pr- point is pre-orders were like really good, but they might not be good forever, ever again. They might be getting sued hmm. for misleading investors. You you're were, you were speaking of of showing a state of the game that does not represent the last-gen versions at all. And um, there's been a couple stories coming out over the past couple days about more and more law firms saying that they are investigating whether or not they were actually misleading investors purposefully. Yeah, there's uh, one story that was coming out on December 18th of um, a, a law firm by Wolf Haldenstein and Audler Freeman. Uh, free Um, announcing that, that they are investigating a suit against CD Projekt for issuing materially misleading information to their shareholders and investing public if any of our dad and son's listeners are a rich enough asshole to invest in stocks and if you happen to have invested in cd project red you can contact the the good the good minute wolf haldenstein Audler, freeman and hers llp to become a part of this class action suit today when we were talking about it a few minutes ago There were more stories coming out from some more Polish law firms who are also doing the same thing. Uh Um, CDPR, according to them, could be found guilty of manipulative and deceptive practices designed to deliberately mislead shareholders. This lawyer is uh, Mikola Orzechowski. You know what? Polish last names are always fine for me to pronounce. It's the Polish first names that
1: get me. Good thing you don't run CD Projekt Red.
0: Orzechowski sounds like a, a... character from a cohen brothers movie on the other hand what's this guy's first name supposed to be Mikola. i i don't know what that symbol is that's a symbol we don't use that much what does it mean when there's an l with a little notch striped through it <laughs> anyways anyways point is people on both sides of the fo- of the pond are making legal threats against them they're in a lot of legal trouble they're gonna be in a lot of financial trouble i wonder though if if you know the bosses are Still going to be eight million pre-orders, eight million pre-orders. That's still money they're making that they can spend on
1: these lawsuits. right? It's money. It's money they've made. It's money. I mean, you have to buy a game to pre-order it on.
0: Speaking of having to make money from people buying games you're selling while oh, this was going on, they canceled the GOG re-release of Devotion the same day the GOG re-release of Devotion was announced. Within hours of each other, Red Candle Games tweeted out saying that uh, they're 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 going to share news of them publishing Devotion on December eighteenth on GOG. Earlier today, it was announced that the game Devotion is coming to GOG after receiving many messages from gamers. We have decided not to list the game in our store.
3: Well, I don't understand that. I never understood when I saw people tripping about that. Like what? Like what do you mean? Like so, it got messages. Like what was?
0: Angry Chinese gamers are very oh. offended by Devotion because of the the Xi Jinping Winnie the Pooh joke thrown in, and then like like you guys got in trouble for that. Oh yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a year ago when it was happening. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. This is shit. This is such shit. This is a detriment to the artistic merit of video games as an art form, and a dangerously empowering move to trolls.
1: Uh, Well, that's if there really was angry messages from real life gamers, or it was potentially maybe uh, something else, like an email to the company from maybe one of their partners in China that's like, hey, you do this, China market's gone. And you're done. They
0: cited the gamers in the tweet. They said many messages from gamers. That is the language they use. You
1: got to cover your ass, you know? I know. But are you going to say gamers when really it's something else? I don't think it was. I think a lot of people don't think it was gamers either. I think it was potentially a little bit of a pushing from maybe a market partner. Considering China is a massive market for CD Projekt Red.
0: China is a massive market. That doesn't mean this has to be a conspiracy theory, though. It could be an Ah! act of cowardice and incompetence. China is apparently. I don't know if I even want to believe this but cd project has said that china was the top pre-orders of of cyberpunk 2077 that's
1: the context
0: you know i I don't know if it's conspiracy theory i i i am ready having experienced harassment from angry gamers themselves
1: angry chinese gamers
0: i am totally ready to believe that that they would have experienced enough harassment from angry chinese gamers to feel the nudge to make the economically influenced decision of placating the Chinese gamer market. We have seen companies bend the knee to, to English-speaking angry gamers so many fucking times. Like, wasn't it, um... No, it wasn't CD Projekt. It was, um... THQ Nordic that, that did that Q&A session on 8chan at one time.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 it was. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, bending the knee to angry gamers is such a fucking nasty-ass way.
1: I would think there is more to this. I don't think a company would pull a game based on just a specific market's game. Unless they were inundated.
0: Well, that's the state the story of Devotion itself. This thing got pulled off of Steam last year. It, they had their... In China? In China? No, on... Look it up! Type in Devotion Steam on Google and see what comes up. Oh, no, yeah, it
3: got pulled. I couldn't get it. It's not there anymore. Yeah. I was thinking about it. It's buying still not
0: it. there. Yeah. Hmm. They they had their their relationship with their publishers severed too. Like they they have had a hard ass time just being able to sell this game anywhere in the world. And and not even on Gog are are they safe from this. And like, yeah, as someone who, you know, got 80 death threats in a day back in 2014 when 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 that was going on, like, I am totally ready to believe that that it's a combination of people Project. So yeah, no, you I've talked 80? about this before. I got 80 on, on I think it was October 14th, 2014 for what? for what for being a member of the Game Journal Pro's message board. Oh, God. And, and considering how much that weighs on you, how it does affect your productivity, how it does affect your mental health, how it does affect your feeling of, of safety and security when you're at home. I'm absolutely ready to believe that, that that would have combined with the economic influence of of the profitability of the Chinese market to get them to pull this. No, it's insane. When you when you get on the Internet shit list, it's the, the sheer volume of bullshit you got to put up with is unfucking real.
1: There's no gray. It's just black and white, and it's so hard to read through text. There's no context to anything. And yeah, I mean, this is going off the path of devotion, which is, I mean, Gog, just cowardly. It's just cowardly.
0: (sighs) Question. Mm -hmm. Should I bother to play cyberpunk in the cyber future when (laughs) it gets all patched up and modded? and and Maybe in
1: 2077. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't waste your time
3: on that fucking game. Play Yakuza Seven.
1: Let, wait, yeah, let me let me ask you. Do you like Fallout Four? Yeah, I, I thought it was
0: okay. Not not a favorite game by far.
1: Do you like GTA Five?
0: Wait, don't don't put GTA Five in that.
1: GTA I, Five I, is
3: is like. That's some, just some fun to be had in GTA yeah, 5. Yeah, but I,
1: I mean, I mean, do you like, okay, do you like a poor man's version of GTA 5 crossed there we go. with Fallout there 4? There we go. I would probably enjoy that. All, all this game, all Cyberpunk reminds me of is Fallout 4. It's like yeah. future yeah, see, Fallout. See? That's all it that reminds me of.
0: But the thing that I found the most fun about Fallout 4 was the settlement building mini game. Like I got I had more like fun got, with that than yeah, I did like, the real quests, so that's a that's already like points against Cyberpunk if it doesn't have that. Definitely like, doesn't like, have anything anything
3: remotely satisfying like that.
0: I did not Sorry, play I'm Fallout Four, Cyberpunk. like <laughs> like a Fallout game. I, I played it like a like a town builder game. I had more fun with that chunk than I did the actual RPG stuff. If
3: you haven't
0: bought it yet,
3: anyone who if you haven't bought it yet, especially if you're on the consoles, don't buy it. I'm just going to go ahead and say don't buy it. It's not worth the risk. If you have the disposable income and you don't care, you want to see what it's all about. Sure. Go ahead. Do your thing. You know what I'm saying? But if you're on the fence. You know, go back onto your side of the fence. Don't don't go don't go across the fence. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. If if you know what map games are, this is this could have been it. <laughs> but it's not it. It is not
0: it. Got it. Does seem like such a matte game?
3: It, it oh oh it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be like. I thought it was gonna be like a nice polished turd. Like I thought it was gonna be good. Like in the most <laughs> nice like cre- polished like, turd is good. Yeah, like I knew. It. Like you mm, saw the yum. trailers. Like it looked like shit. But like I was okay with like a little bit of a buggy mess with some like good characters and some weird gameplay. But you got none of that. You just got some bland game
0: with bland you mean, shit. I, you guys were like. You kept qualifying your, your criticisms with, like, eh, but it's still kind of fun, and I keep playing no, I it didn't. last week. No,
3: I did Liam has fun with it. I said I'm, oh, yes. I am like the fact that I played it. I think, I think
0: <laughs> we, we can clarify at this point that Liam does have the most fun with games. Of yes,
3: three of us. He, yes, he does. Yes. He does. And yes. I wish I could be him. I have the what? Most the, fun The most games. fun.
1: Yeah, but I don't finish games, so I can't be having that much fun. That's probably (laughs) how it Uh, works. Actually, you you you
0: haven't had your fill, you know, diminishing returns. I
1: I think I think it's a case of, and this is not going back to it, but I do kind of understand. It's it's so hard to switch off, right? So when I play a game, I'm amazed by the achievement in which people can get to. It is honestly a miracle games get made. But sometimes like even playing cyberpunk, like when I'm thinking in my head of how I would design it and how I'm going through all of the different pathways of how things work. And then that's why things stand out so badly to me sometimes is I can probably give it more, maybe 20 percent more forgiveness for its jankiness. Cyberpunk, on the other hand, is a different thing. I, I can respect that they exist and what they do. Maybe not necessarily I'm having fun, but I can still be like, well, there's redeeming things here. I think with Cyberpunk, there is redeeming things. I think some of the things it tries to do, I do really like. I do really wish it lent more. I've j- I honestly wish it got rid of all of the shooting. I-, I honestly do, because I rely so heavily on it because the game doesn't have any other solid calls really. And I wish it was all about being a netrunner. And the-, and the idea that you have to hack people and you have to use your augmentations Basically, more Deus Ex level than yeah. before. I, I I so wish they had gone in that direction and mm-hmm. really tried to push the boundaries instead of being stuck in a stifled market where if you don't have guns in your game and you're not in first person, you are not going to sell twenty million copies.
0: I would
3: love to play. You, you know what's a good cyberpunk game, Soldiers? You know what a good cyberpunk game is? You know where you are a netrunner? Fucking fucking Shadowrun.
2: Mm.
1: Super Nintendo's Shadowrun. That's a cyberpunk yeah.
3: game. That's a fucking cyberpunk game. That's what cyberpunk is. If you, if you if you if you think this is cyberpunk, you don't know what cyberpunk is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. I'll give <laughs> you a hug if I see you, but you do not know what cyberpunk is. You need a you need to No. I don't care if it's from a book, damn it, or tabletop game. Shit. No. Mm-hmm. Flying cars in cyberpunk games, damn it. Cloudpunk came out an indie game and it had flying cars fucking i played decks that was more cyberpunk than this fucking game <laughs> oh my god okay i'm done so
0: i i would love to play that uh beautiful imaginary mashup of um deus ex and gta and it can, are we are we still at a point in history where the closest thing to that that we've got at the moment is like watchdogs
3: yes And Watch Dogs is not even close to that.
0: I I really did have a good time with Watch Dogs 2 once I decided not to use the guns. It's like the guns that that so often bring this stuff down. You might enjoy the new one, right? You might enjoy the new one. I think I would for... I don't know if I'd finish it, but I think I would. Yeah. That does seem like a George game, right? I love my Ubisoft trash every now and then. Yeah. yeah. Mm. The ass creeds.
3: I I think I've totally... I'm ass creed out. I think I don't think I can play another one. I think I'm
0: done.
1: I, I definitely can. I th- yeah, I, I think I'm I, done. I played Valhalla for like two hours. and I'm like,
0: eh, yeah. I'm Watch good. Dogs is different. Any, anyways. No, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. D- definitely. Definitely. Not saying that.
1: Yeah, I It is, but it isn't. <laughs> Far but, Cry but it, as well. It, it's like the story part.
3: is not there too. So it's just like a... Yeah, they've never... Yeah, that's what never I heard. It's, like it's more story. like gameplay based. And I was just like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm... Totally into that. I do want some story, but yeah.
0: But but making making use of the the hacking powers in Watchdogs 2 was genuinely good fun. You could remote control cars, and you know the traffic system actually responded to the shenanigans you were getting up to, causing traffic jams and and hacking cop cars was was always while well, you're hiding behind cover, sneaking out, never being spotted was such a. I
1: think there really is time. something like I I don't want to go on for this too long. I think we have reached a crossroads where games are so simulated in realism that Mm. unless if you are you can't do uncanny valley with graphics anymore because people expect levels of realism that is the same when you try to repeat realistic game systems. So if you're not creating games that are like Breath of the Wild or something like that, or, or or games that are kind of semi-realistic and have biological systems, if you try to make a game where you're giving the player tools to influence the world and then they come up against barriers such as why the hell can I not hack this door so it opens when it's an electronic door yeah. just because the game is telling me I can't, you can't get away with that anymore. We've mm-hmm. reached the point where limitations in games are not forgiven by the player so if you're going to make simulated worlds where you should be able to hack everything or you're able to influence things by setting things on fire etc etc if the game doesn't respond in that way anymore people are going to be sick of that and your game's not going to be successful
0: i think that's what got me about back for blood is that you can't hide anymore that you're in a tunnel that might look like a town or a city but in there's, there's so many other games where you like expect that level of interactivity and, and world building fleshed out in 3D in the actual map design that when it's not there it's painfully evident at this point in a way it wasn't before. Like all those locked doors in Half-Life and Silent Hill might be something mm. game developers can't get away with anymore. In The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners one of the things I was suppressed by was how much um, room in the levels is not used by the story. It's just there for your own immersion or to get lost in if you want. Like every house, every room in a lot of those houses is explorable. Every one of the houses in the neighborhood yeah. has some kind of interior to it.
1: So it's it's honestly a double edged sword. Like you can go for games like, you know, Watchdog Legion with all the hacking and then playing every character. But you know, once every character is very similar and samey, which seems to be everyone's criticism about that game, it's like, well, you're not simulating a real world. You're not. You can't use the tagline play as anyone because. You're not playing as anyone. You're playing as randomly generated versions that have specifically different but similar similar simulations. And then players, it's not, it's very hard. The more we progress with technology, the less forgiving these things become. It's not as impressive and it definitely becomes stagnated and becomes problematic. There's a great video by, obviously, uh, Mark, uh, who does GameMaker's Toolkit, um, about watchdogs legion and the hacking in that and like what is amazing about it but also what generally then gets pointed out as flawed flaws of it because it's so limited towards the game design part if these things don't change like uh, it's a big problem in cyberpunk why can't i hack everything or 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 at least what seems to be the things i should be able to doors cars like for some reason sometimes you can't even get into cars and GTA just smash the window and open the the car. Like it's it's yeah, it's odd that you can't do that those things. So if you're going to make a big AAA game where well, you should be able to do things like that, especially on the PS5 and the Xbox Series X going forward, you're going to have to provide that. And that is a that is a huge task.
0: Sounds like you're just better off not making a big AAA game then.
1: I think that's the way forward. <laughs> I mean But oh no, you guys keep doing it though, please. While I'm making indie games, you guys you guys keep spending millions of dollars somewhere else, cause don't come over here.
0: You guys have seen that image of Sonic the Hedgehog saying we want shorter games with worse graphics <laughs> made by developers who are paid more to work less.
1: Heck yeah. Heck yeah, we unironically
0: we do. true. Because the
3: people who do that who go through that pain is like the people who actually have passion
1: you find and that's the thing you find in like you can almost 50 50 split indie developers into two camps one young students who have been making indie games since they were 13 14 and then went to college and made games and then made one indie game and super successful the other half of indies are people like myself or other people who did AAA and then were like fuck this and then went and did something else (laughs) That is like the two camps of indie gamers. And then those guys or eh, those people are, you know, in their 30s or moving forwards who are like, man, that market is done for. I don't want to work in that kind of environment anymore either.
0: I really feel like this should be a harsh lesson for all the gamers out there. Lesson number 999,999, not to get hyped for this big AAA overproduced (laughs) stuff.
1: If George ever was right about not pre-ordering, he was right about that one.
0: Never, ever pre-order a triple-A game. Or just don't- Just don't play games. Don't buy big triple-A games early.
1: Just never play- never play games again.
0: They're always going to be better three months down the road. They're always going to be cheaper three months down the road. Just wait a couple months. It's not that hard. You can play games from a couple months earlier in the meantime. Like Walking Dead Saints and Sinners.
1: Man, with Game Pass now, you can. You can just go back and play games you missed, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, man. Yeah, man.
3: Game Pass. Maybe is Sea life. of
1: Thieves is really good.
3: <laughs> I know, right? When you're playing it for free.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you play it for free, it. everything's good. Yeah, everything's free. Cyberpunk's probably game of the year if I've got it for free. <laughs> it's not free, God. You're paying $10 a month. That's you what can't me and Liam call that. It.
3: Me
0: and Liam call it free.
3: It's
1: free. Call no, it free. $15, it comes
0: out automatically. Okay, the games I'm, I'm going to go eat a pizza, and it's a it's a vegan dish. I'm going to go eat my vegan sausage chicken pizza. Are you getting healthy?
3: Are you finally eating more salads, George? Have I finally knocked that shit into you?
0: I'm so healthy because I'm gaining weight and eating bad food. I'm eating salad, you know know, salad, right? It's when you stack a bunch of meat on top of each other, cover it in eggs, and fry it in the pan. That's salad, right? That's as salad as is Xbox Game Pass is free. Oh my god. Never
1: mind. It comes out automatically. <laughs> it's it's relatively inexpensive, and Jesus. the games are just there on my Xbox for me to see. It's as free as free can be. It's free that as free costs, can be. Oh, that free as free can be? <laughs> yeah,
3: you don't have to spend from thirty to sixty dollars on these games. It's basically yeah. free,
0: and this is basically a video podcast. Yes, but it will be in a couple weeks.
3: In a couple weeks. You, couple you weeks. You guys, you guys, enjoy your Christmas. It's probably gonna. Are you are we going to have this out before Christmas or on Yeah, this one before? will be
0: out before
1: Christmas. Well, it'll be on Christmas. It'll, it'll be, be around Christmas.
3: <gasps> so, oh my god. happy Christmas, Christmas guys. Miracle. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah, merry merry Christmas. Uh, is that yeah, merry Christmas is accurate. What, happy, uh, holidays. Happy, Hanukkah? happy holidays. Happy
2: holidays.
0: Happy holidays. Oh my god. That's what a weird year it's been. You- oh my, yeah! I can't believe that we're like seriously questioning the phrasing of Merry Christmas. That's how like shitty our brains have become. In the
1: UK, to be fair, in the UK, that's been a conversation for a long time, actually. Wait, really? They don't say Merry Christmas in the UK? Yeah, we do, we do, but we tend to also say Happy Holidays because in case you do not practice Christian faith or you don't celebrate Christmas. Like, I've completely
3: separated the two. I know people don't like to hear that, but I've completely separated too.
1: I yeah. am exactly with you, Matt. Merry Christmas, Christmas is nothing Christian for me. It is Santa, f- family, friends, just gift giving in terms of the people you love. The spirit. It's not the same
3: yeah. as saying happy Hanukkah. Like it's not the same. Christmas no. is like such a wide term, you know?
1: Yeah. If I if I want it. Yeah. Like Merry Christmas. No, thanks.
0: Yeah. You don't X-mas. say Christmas. You say Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not <Merry> Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> I'm putting God back into Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Yeah, yeah. Christmas Merry is just Christmas. as there for the corporations as it is for Jesus.
1: It was always. <laughs> you remember what an eye-opening
0: experience it is working your first retail job as a teenager, and you notice like just how much the economy depends on Christmas. Like how and, much more money Black they Friday. make then. Yeah, like the yearly revenue.
1: Your extra ten hours at GameStop when you dance on Christmas Day.
0: <laughs> the, the, the just like the it it was it was it was a very overwhelming sobering growing experience realizing that christmas is kind of sort of what holds the american or the world Society the, the western world economy together
1: i love it i i will admit i'm a sucker for christmas and i think it's yeah. just because from in the uk christmas is the biggest time of the year and like it, it's all about being with family and that's it. that's mostly it i mean getting presents fucking rules right opening a a
0: Wii until you start having to buy them
1: no even buying them i like oh i hate buying
0: presents i can't stand it
1: i hate trying to guess what people want i hate Mm. that part but if you (laughs) get it right and they're very grateful then it's it's you know i i
0: i I hate spending money
1: oh well that's different i don't (laughs) We we
0: we we know christmas was fun for me up until i started realizing how much more money i'm gonna have to spend every year (laughs) to keep the american economy together
1: well, you did wow. spend money on a dad and son's hoodie, and I will admit you look quite adorable in it oh thanks, Dad.
0: uh if you would like to send in pictures of you wearing Dad and Son's merch, oh God, what sort of can of worms did I just open up? Uh send them in to dad and at gmail.com. Well once again, that email is dadandsonspodcast and at gmail dot com P- It is in we'll the in. On.
1: please well tweet them yeah.
0: So we got we got a fun one. Uh, first one this week comes from a guy who is simply going to be known as Pro. Pro asks, what is your favorite slash most memorable video game themed promotion done by a non-video game brand?
1: What const- what constitutes a memorable video game? Are we talking about Doritos, Pope, Jeff Caly? Yeah, I,
0: I do I do wanna say that we should be pretty, pretty open-ended with our interpretation here to make sure we hit the big ones. I think um, Doritos promoting Halo and the Game Awards would count. Uh, Arby's promoting Soul Calibur with its mm. nightmare statue that and hamburger awesome. boxes. That was pretty good. That was strong. That was
1: strong. Yeah, it was Kyle, our, our old friend. Cute monster props. Oh, really? It yeah, that was, was Kyle. A, it was a Fucking friend Kyle of Kyle's. Did? Holy no, shit. Kyle no, I- told me about the guy who did it. No, I, Kyle works, uh, Kyle, I don't think Kyle d- did it specific, but I think Kyle helped do it. I mean, he's in Vulpin props, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, the semantics of that is uh, irrespective of the question. Yeah, mad props to Kyle, man.
0: It is tough because it is such a specific category, but there are some good examples that do come right to you like that. Like, uh, the Doritos Mountain Dew Gamer Fuel is a fun mm-hmm. meme. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna say that's my favorite.
1: The the whole Xbox three sixty generation was like when it existed, I think. hmm And it's died since then.
0: Yeah. Oh, did you guys ever see The Wizard? No. <laughs> um,
1: oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Nintendo movie that had Super Mario Bros. 2 in it and the uh, power glove. Uh I think I think that would count. Does Detective Pikachu the movie count? Well that's I still... enjoyed that
0: by Nintendo, Yeah, no, I- eh. The focus there is more on Pokemon than it is any other brand. Like, if you see a statue of Nightmare made out of Arby's boxes, I don't know about you guys, but I'm gonna start craving some some delicious market-fresh sandwiches. Mm. But if I go to the movies and see Pokemon, I'm gonna start craving some fun, cute Nintendo products. Whether or not they're video games. Fine, okay, that counts, because Pokemon is- Pokémon's a pretty big market and just like dolls and toys and anime as it is video games.
3: Oh, it definitely is.
1: Not, nothing can surpass Dorito's Pope to be honest. Yeah. Especially because
0: that was a moment that kind of made game journalism a little wee bit better. Like
1: everyone learned from it. It also syn- it is synonymous with a time and place in video game history, which was the mm-hmm. Xbox Live generation oh the like, best
0: generation of all time. the best
1: and worst generation of yes. all time best and worst
0: yeah <laughs> i agree and you know I, I i think i got shat on a little bit for it last week but i feel like that dorito pope episode is one of the reasons why the game awards nowadays are less cringy than they used to be
1: yes exactly 100 so yeah i think i think
0: uh, we got to give it to dorito pope like dorito pope actually changed the world you know it wasn't just a funny
1: meme yeah, good old <laughs> Jeff, changing the world. <laughs> One I live stream to, at a time. I
3: have a conversation with the guy. I would love to have a conversation with the guy to see how he really is. Is this our New Year's resolution? Get Jeff Keely on the podcast.
1: Do you really think he'd be that?
3: I want. I want him with with some drinks first. I want. No, nah, no, nah, he wouldn't come on here. I would. I would. I would want to like have some drinks.
1: Tracking Jeff drinks. I imagine he's straight edge. Yeah. You can tell by his hack-up. You
3: don't think he, he wants an old-fashioned
0: or nothing like that? You know, something strong?
1: No, he probably wants a Mountain Dew.
0: <laughs> a <laughs> Dorito from Taco Bell. Dew-garita. What, what, what is it? The Red Lobster dew A
3: Jack and Coke, but just like Mountain Dew.
1: Yeah, a Jack and Coke, but he replaces yeah. the...
0: Okay, so wait, you guys haven't heard about this? The Red Lobster dew <laughs>
1: No. <laughs> can I have a vodka and Mountain Dew? With a side of Doritos?
0: There's never a bad time for a margarita. The only challenge is deciding what kind of margarita to go for. You can opt for a classic fruity, but sometimes chain restaurants come out with unexpected cocktail combinations that will rock your entire world. Like Red Lobster, who is soon to have a secret recipe margarita made with Mountain Dew. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff would Jeff would definitely want to do He'd want to take us out to Red Lobster and get us some doogaritas. I'm dying, guys. I'm dying. Uh, Alec G has questions for all of us. Um, I'll save me for last. Liam, how do you go about starting your design? With pencil and paper, making sketches of your idea? Or do you design a mechanic and play around with that? Or is it all unique for each game?
1: Um, It can be unique, but it tends to be exactly what you just said. Um, I'm going to show the guys right now. But oh, I yeah. Every, I, I saw that hung on
0: the wall.
3: The when Bible. I He's showing us the Bible right now. The yeah, I, do,
1: I, do, I do everything in pencil mostly for myself because I'm quick and noodle. And then if I'm working with a team, I will take a photo of it and I will post it in a task manager or something for people to see. If it's something that needs concepts, I'll flesh it out and do digital uh, stuff. But, yeah, I tend to use entirely just pencil and paper for designing almost everything. But if I have an idea for a game that not necessarily has individual mechanics yet, but has just a general idea, I will jump in. If I think I can make it, I will jump straight into Game Maker and then just start making the prototype because it's all in my head already. I don't need to know anything down. But then when I have to flesh upon that prototype or make that game like I did with Golf, that is when I will be jumping in to just writing everything I down. I don't tend to agree necessarily that you don't stick with your first idea i'm somebody who i have to really really think about an idea for a very long time before i will write it down because that tends to be the strongest idea and then i just go with it but if you have ideas there's no such thing as a bad idea and there's a writing technique where you write five things down or you design five things and that means you get all the bad ideas out immediately and then only your good ideas are left So you should write everything down draw every concept even if you're bad at drawing uh, just write every idea down I tend to do that. I always use pencil and paper. That's great. I have a lovely little journal
0: I remember seeing a big ass like wall scroll poster Of uh, yes, yeah
1: When I was designing Flitspire, because it was like flying up a tower I bought literal massive what a two size Vertical paper roll. <laughs> or whatever oh, it was well. and, and I would just draw like the tower and then I would place post-it notes of like platforms and then I would just move those post-it notes around, sissy, which would be better before I did it. yeah that's good fun. designing is awesome. Matt,
0: where hmm. do you look for information on new components to track prices and where to buy?:
1: Oh, uh I'm
3: assuming a pc um i i'm a I'm a microcenter shopper because the way they do things is that they they sell like um processors at cost and they try to tack on a bunch of other stuff um that costs a bit more like the motherboard might be like ten dollars more or whatever and that's how they make money at microcenter um and that's how they get you in and oh fifty dollars off this or ten dollars off this when you get a motherboard and stuff like that there there are a couple of like you know like honey and stuff like that they kind of track prices but I don't penny pinch when it comes down to components, so I wouldn't be able to be like, "Oh yeah, I go on Craigslist and get the cheapest thing possible." No, I I feel like I, I rather if I'm getting PC parts, I kind of go straight straight to like, um, a place like Micro Center or a, a hole in the wall PC place. I don't know where you live, and see the products myself. Look at look at the motherboard to make sure someone hasn't roughed it up, and Get my parts straight there. And if something goes wrong when I go back, if it doesn't post, I come back and say, yo, the <laughs> fucking switch this shit out. And I'd rather have a place like that. I don't like shipping components back and forth. If you don't have the luxury for that, then um, you know, you are gonna have to go the new egg. You have to go the new egg route. You know, they always have some deals on that. But yeah. I'd rather go to a store. That that you trust. Microcenter's a decent store. Decent store. But yeah, that's how I do things. And every every <laughs> <laughs> these guys are like, huh, what? PC? I, 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 I kind of
1: have like oh. just... When I was in the UK I was on top of all this shit and I actually looked into upgrading this PC recently yeah. and then I opened it up and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I forgot everything. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> so I,
3: I tend to forget stuff pretty quickly too but like this is yeah. it's, it's stained no in my brain. It's stained in my brain. I don't like, I'm not constant with the news then I'll lose track of the news and then I would have to you know mm. myself with it When it I'm doesn't help that something. the
1: numbering of video cards and stuff is just fucking garbage yeah it's pretty nuts man it's pretty nuts
3: AMD does a really bad job with it too are RTX
0: cards instead of GTX cards
3: I mean at least you know like RTX you're getting
0: like ray tracing and all that type of stuff And like, what does GTX of, like, stand up, for then I never had to think about that until They switched to rtx
1: is it Gamer turbo extreme (laughs) (laughs) That makes me
0: so much more embarrassed for every gtx card I've ever bought in the past 10 years
1: I have a gtx now. I have the 970 gtx.
0: You mean you have a gamer turbo extreme I have the
1: 970 game gamer turbo extreme. That's what
0: I have installed on my toilet
1: the ass blaster gamer turbo extreme Wash away the gamer.
0: That's what the uh, Nvidia ATX line is (laughs) <laughs> the Ass Blaster Turbo
1: Extreme. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, the most useful, uh, tasteful, um, um, helpful, uh, uh, mature question of them all, the one that definitely shows what a contribution I'm making to society here, how, oh how great of a human being I am in the universe. What, this is what I got put on the world to do, guys. My, my mom made me so that I can answer the following question on this podcast. George, do you prefer paper towels for drying or air dryers? Wait, you're talking about when you're in a in a public restroom? <sighs> yeah.
1: Can I guess? Yeah? yeah. It's it's definitely paper towels. There ain't no way you're touching that dryer. The,
3: it's no it's an, it's it's ass air that you're getting on your hands. Yeah. Well, where's where, is, where's is it connected to? It's it's blowing <laughs> the same ass air <laughs> onto your hand after you've cleaned it. it.
1: I love a bit of ass air. <laughs> I
0: I do have my poo particle paranoia. Paranoia, but I do also hope that I am healthy enough. God forbid—it's the one thing I I might have my my, myself together right now. I do hope I'm healthy enough to admit that that is basically paranoia. The thing is, is that I do prefer the paper towels, as I'm sure most people do, because they they dry you off faster. But I would not miss them if they're gone, and I would not be surprised if they're gone. Because when you go to Japan, I don't know, Liam, you, you you have more experience than us, but I remember a lot less paper towels. I remember a lot less paper towels over there. Because
1: you're getting your ass blasted by the GTX Ass Blaster 5000 every time. In a public restroom? You're getting ass blasted in a public restroom? Uh, in Japan, you are.
0: Oh, yeah. They have bidets in public restroom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, Hell I never yeah. would, would have known to get one of my own. Got to try them out. Public store demo, you Wait, know?
3: But other asses have been blasted in that seat. You can't just go
1: on a... The, the, well, you don't touch it. It doesn't touch you. It just sprays water.
3: I mean, I mean, it You're touches good, you. It touches you, Liam.
0: It it touches the you. water. Touches you, not the spout.
1: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm the expert here because I use them every day. Right. It doesn't touch you. It's the same as I would think of it as you use the same tap that pours water on your hands as other people. Why not have the same ass tap that pours water on your ass?
0: Okay. So. Paper towels are bad for the environment. Toilet paper is is not not as bad, but still less good for the environment. So I would not be surprised if in the future everyone is just using bidets and air dryers. And I I think I could adapt to that. I'm not going to complain too hard.
1: George, can I ask you though a personal question? Uh huh. What would you rather be happening to you? Poop particles, okay. or roaches infesting your VR unit?
0: Poop particles.
1: there the man said it the debate is settled
0: yes i believe that people should gradually switch over to air dryers and i i am willing to be among the first to make that sacrifice as much as i i prefer paper towels
3: so you won't pre-order games you won't buy plastic but you'll buy a fucking air dryer for your fucking bathroom
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i already have an air dryer (laughs) for your bathroom <laughs> you have
3: an air dryer? What, what do you, what do you, you, you I have a, a hair dryer. Fucking, you, you, you tape it to the wall and you turn it on. a fucking blow dryer that you use here. <laughs> you, tape, you tape it to the wall. Okay. The, the
0: thing is, is that I don't dry my hands with my hair dryer, but I could <laughs> if I wanted to. And that means I have an air dryer in the bathroom. I could tape it on the wall and just like flip the switch and rub my hands together every time. But because I don't. I possible
3: shock is gonna be happening when you flip that switch. Your hands are gonna be wet. You're gonna flip the switch. The water is gonna go into the little switch. It's not gonna be a good good experience, George.
0: Now that's what I call a playing the switch. <laughs> Because we do need to re-promo that. Hey, in case you forgot about it from the beginning of the episode, we are going to be doing a live show in a couple weeks in early January. Um, Final day still has to be decided, but it will be among those first two weeks. uh, Where we're going to be doing our award show. We're going to be giving away t-shirts and and game codes. And... um, we're going to start by uh, promoting the the Twitter account a bit by asking you to submit us photos of you listening to the podcast in an interesting setting.
1: Yes, if you want to be eligible to win one of the beautiful Dad Select shirts or long sleeve shirts, uh, like the one that George is wearing right now that you cannot see, follow. But you will in a couple of weeks. You will in a couple of weeks. Follow Dad and Sons Pod on Twitter, and then post a photo to us on Twitter of you listening to the show in an interesting or novel setting with your media device. Don't worry. You don't have to show your face or anything. Just an interesting way of listening to the show. And you will automatically be entered to win a game code of your choosing between our top indie games of the year, which happens to be Hades, Ikenfell and Noita, and also a wonderful dad selection. That's it. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay we did yeah, a contest. We're professionals. Let's do this. Let's go. Dorito Pope's for Life. Speaking of
0: professional, I think now, now should be a good time to cue in our in our, our song by, by the professionals.: Oh we have, a, we have a band. Oh my God, there it comes.
3: Wow, we have a live band in the studio today.